Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, welcome to Radiant Church. We are so glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron Burke, and we're going to get right into God's Word. And I want to take a second and greet all of our campuses that are joining us right now. St. Pete celebrating four years. Brandon, our Heights location, North Tampa, Clearwater. Those here at South Tampa, you look great. Those that are online, seeing your love in the chat is awesome. And if you're a guest with us at no matter what campus you're at, you're at the right place. If you're church shopping, the church shopping's over. Radiant, give it up for our guests one more time that are with us today. It's a big deal. We are in part two of a verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up today. Romans, we are um, in chapter one still. We are bringing clarity in the midst of all the chaos in the world, but the chaos in your world also. And I started this series last week with giving you kind of the overview of what the book was all about. I told you it was written by a guy by the name of Paul, who was a man who hated the church and then um, hated Christians, then became one, and that ended up being probably the most important Christian leader in Christianity other than Jesus. He wrote letters to all these churches and and, uh, founded a bunch of them, and one of the letters was written to a group of Christians in the city of Rome. I told you last week that Rome was the opposite Las Vegas, and Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas, Stays in Vegas. Rome is the absolute opposite, which happened there, which spread all throughout the world. And so Paul writes a crucial letter that's filled with a massive amount of doctrine. Actually, many people call it the gospel according to Paul. Just like we have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four gospels describe the life of Jesus and what Jesus did. Paul's gospel, the book of Romans, it actually gives us the theological ramifications of what Jesus did on the earth. So it shows what, it, what are the consequences, what is the result of my life because of what Jesus did, what, it, what is offered. And we t- open it in week one, talking about how this I am statement that we started it out with, and we said, I am unashamed of the gospel. And we talked about being unashamed of the gospel. And I want to give you a report that at the end of the services last week, I did something unique. I said, if you've not never given your life to the Lord, you're making a decision today to be unashamed about the fact that you're now going to follow Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet. And last week, and I want, I want to read it out because I think it's so significant. At South Tampa location, 67 people stood to their feet. At our Heights location... 14 people stood to their feet at the Heights location. At St. Petersburg, 11 stood to their feet. At Brandon, 22 people stood to their feet. At our new Clearwater campus, three people stood to their feet. And at North Tampa, five people stood to their feet, making a grand total last week on week one of of Romans, 122 people stood to their feet to make a decision for Jesus. I think we should celebrate a little bit bigger than that. That's a big deal. It's a life marked by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm so honored about what God's doing. And we're going to dive right into it. If you have your Bibles, we're in chapter 1. We're going to start out in verse 20. And it says it like this. For since the creation of the world. So now Paul's given us a background of how all of this came about. How, how we got in the situation we're in and why we need what we talked about in week 1, which is the gospel. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, has been clearly seen being understood from what was, what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Can you say without excuse? excuse. I need you to say it one more time louder. Without excuse? excuse. Very good. If you're taking notes today, here's your second I am statement from the book of Romans. I'm going to talk to you today about the fact that I am done with excuses. I am done with excuses. 
There's a whole group of people who are so good at making excuses. And you've got an excuse why your marriage is a wreck, why your life is a wreck, why your situation is what you're in today. And my challenge for us today across Tampa Bay is to, be, is to really grasp what the gospel is all about and realize that according to Paul, we should be done with all excuses. We have no excuse to live a life less than what Jesus came to pay for us to have. So that's what I wanna to present to you today. We, we, we found some funny excuses that you've maybe made some of these in your life. So let me just show you some of them. If you, you said, hey, I'm stuck in traffic and this is what the traffic is, come on. How many have made that excuse? one time in your life right there. We've all had those moments, right? Our excuses come in all shapes and sizes. There's some of you guys try to bring food through the, through the airport check, you know, check-in station. And what they, the TSA says, sorry, sir, no food past this point. And me, you're like, I, I got an excuse for that one. Oh, that's funny right there. That's funny right there. If you, if you have kids, you have used this excuse before sometime in your life. A child says, what's that? And you say, me holding, and it's me holding an Oreo milkshake. You go, it's spicy. You won't like it. Come on. <laughs> Parents, have we not used that excuse many times? That's too spicy. You wouldn't like that at all. You wouldn't like that. Your friends invite you to have plans. Hey, hey, you got any plans this weekend? And you write, you write back, sorry, I can't go. I have plans this weekend. And your plans this weekend. Come on, that's some of y'all right there. That's your life right there. <laughs> Excuses come in all shapes and sizes. I, I thought this one was funny. Y'all got time for one more? Y'all give it one more. This one says, sorry I'm late. I broke down on the way to work. The boss says, is your car working fine now? He said, car? <laughs> boss me. That's funny right there. <laughs> it's another kind of breakdown. All right. Some will get it on the way home. If you really want to make something happen in your life, you've got to learn to get over the excuses can them and move forward to what God has for you. I wrote it down in your notes this way. You can make progress or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. So there's some of you, you're just, you're stuck in whatever situation you're in. And I want to challenge you to move forward and say, you know what? There's something bigger God has in store for my life. I'm going to live a life without excuse. And I don't know what it is in your life, whether it's your spiritual life, your health, your mind, your, your, your joy, whatever's lacking I want you to put off the excuses today and to pursue what God has for you. I wrote it down this way. You will fully step into your calling when you stop making excuses and start making an effort. And there's some of you guys, you've just stopped making an effort because you're just so frustrated. You're like, I haven't seen it happen in my life now. Paul says there's a life that we can live that is without excuse. That's, that's totally without excuse. And so I want to present it to you today that because of the gospel, us as Christians no longer can just present excuse after excuse after excuse of why we're not living the way God's called us to live. And there's another group that's here today, and I want your attention. And it's those who, who you're not following the Lord. Maybe you were grown up at church and you've walked away from the faith, or maybe you've lived in such a way that you just said, I, I, I'm here for my friend, I'm here for my spouse, but I'm not really bought into this thing. I'm going to present to you a case today of why you are without excuse, and one day you're going to stand before a holy and righteous God, and on that day, your excuses are going to mean nothing because of what you hear today. And Paul maps it out pretty clearly of why our excuses do not count when it comes to the big things in our life that God has for us. There's been many moments I've sat down with, with people in my office and they'll tell me every reason why, you know, this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue, I can't get this better, I can't make this better. 
And eventually I have to sit them down and look at them across the table and I say, hey, can I just be your friend for a second and just say, your excuses don't matter. You've got you've to suck it up. You've got to make an effort and you've got to realize if the gospel's real, which it is, and if Jesus did what he did, which he did, then we have no reason to live less than what God has called us to live. So let me dive into it. It's going to get a little intense, and then we're going to laugh a lot together. Are we okay with this? All right, that's what we do at Radiant. Number one, Paul gives us three reasons of why we're without excuse. Let me tell you the first one. The first one's right there in your notes. Number one, we're without excuse because the wrath of God is serious. The wrath of God is serious. I want to pick up in verse 18. Look what he says. He says, so the wrath of God is being revealed. And I'm going to show you how it's actually not just revealed in the scriptures. You're actually going to see how it's actually been revealed in the world that we're in today. And you, you maybe never even noticed it, but I'm going to show you how you've experienced the wrath of God in your life. He says, it's being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, this is not a fun subject to talk about. It's not a popular subject to talk about. But the doctrine and the, the theology behind this fact is that God's judgment and his wrath is very real. It's as much a part of his character as love is, yeah. as kindness is. As, as joy is, as peace is, all those things we love to hear about. And then you hear about this part of God and you're like, oh, I don't like that part of God. Well, here's the problem. You can't pick or choose what parts of God you like. This is part of its nature. It's been seen throughout the scripture. It's being shown in our world today. And here's, here's why we need to talk about it. Because you will never understood, understand how good the good news is if you don't have an understanding of how bad the bad news is. Let me say it again. You will never be able to understand how good the good news is if you do not have an understanding of how bad the bad news is. And in our society today, people are in this world and they think, man, God's so loving, God's so great, we can do whatever we want. And you don't realize there's another side of this thing that if we have to come to grips with the fact that God's wrath is real, and, and listen, it sounds intolerant, but it's not intolerant. It's part of his character. And, and so I get questions all the time. Things like, why would God send people to hell? Or, or um, why does God seem so angry in the Old Testament? You're looking at me you're like, it just seems angry. He's like just killing people all the time. And that is what makes our, our study through the book of Romans so significant. Because Paul maps out the, the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. He takes on the idea, Paul does, of like a prosecuting attorney where he builds a case over the next two chapters. And if you have time, you need to study chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. It brings us all the way into chapter three of realizing why we're all deserving of the wrath of God. Ending it with the verse we're gonna end today with, which says, listen, there's none righteous, not a single one of you. So we've all messed up, we've all bl uh, blown it, and because of that, we're all deserving of this thing called wrath. Now, if we're gonna talk about God's wrath, you have to understand, you can't put God's personality and God's characteristics in a human form. Because this is where we mess it all up. We always try to make it where it makes sense for humans. Because in human wrath, it's like this. Human wrath is emotional. It's like an emotional response. It's, it's they cut me off in traffic and I'm gonna cut them off also. It's irrational. It's uncontrolled. It's cruel. 
So when you look at the wrath of God, you think it's like, man, my parents who would get mad at me or that teacher that would yell at me or, or that, that, that coach that was, they were just cruel. And you think of it in human terms. That's different than God's wrath. Because when we see God's wrath in the scriptures, it's actually very calculated and on purpose. So I'm going to show you because God's wrath, write it on your notes, is a righteous opposition to evil and those who choose it. Now, this is hard to hear because we're just like in this idea that, man, just God loves everybody and fairies and, and rainbows and, and unicorns. It's all awesome. But you got to come down to the reality. This isn't some Disney movie. The reality is, is that there is a wrath that is being poured out on the globe today for those who, who choose their way. So, so I, I have to put it in this perspective because this really helped me. Because the opposite of wrath is not love. So, so many of you guys go, God's either love or wrath. It's not. Because the opposite of wrath is not love, it's actually neutrality. So it's this idea that, you know what, the opposite of God, wrath would be this idea. If it was love, then, then it would be different. It would be everything is fine. But it's not. It's this idea of, of neutrality. It's, it's, and here's another word that I, I didn't put in your notes, but it's a good word. It's passivity. It's just, just let him do whatever. It doesn't matter. Who am I to judge? Who am I to do? He's God. He can judge. He's God. He sets the standard. So, so while you might be neutral on sin or on lifestyle or on whatever, God's not neutral towards this. God is, is very clear when it comes to evil and when it comes to sin. God's not neutral. God, God's not like going around and go, well, let you do you, and I'm fine, everything's okay, I don't care what, no, 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 God's very, like a parent who would see someone harming their children, it's God's reaction towards evil in the globe today. It's this, it's, it's, no parent would look back and go, but you know what, who am I to judge this person hurting my child? No, 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 that would not be okay because part of God's character would be, I'm not gonna stay neutral on something that's destroying people. I'm not gonna stay neutral. So that's why God's very serious about this. So let's look at it, verse 21. All right, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So I wanna, I wanna talk to some people in here. You think you could do whatever you want. And he tells us what happens when we try to do whatever we want. But they're thinking, look what happens to their thinking. Their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Were darkened. So the further you get away from God, actually, actually, the worse your thinking gets, and the worse your heart starts to get. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Which here's what he's saying: He's saying you're serving something. You're just serving the wrong thing. Everybody's serving something in their life. And here's what happens when you make a decision to serve something other than God. He says, verse 24, and this is the wrath of God. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, to the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than a creator who is forever to be praised. Amen. He, he breaks this down and he says, listen, this, this is the result. If you want to do life your way, you want to do it on your own, God gives them over. And here's what the wrath of God is. I, I want you to get this because the wrath of God is when God gives you over to your way 
And then you start getting into all this stuff that God's never planned for your life and it starts destroying you and you think, oh, I'm in charge. And really you're underneath, you're out of the protection and underneath now the dominion of this world and the result is terrible. So when you see people in their life is so broken, it's the result, it's it's the wrath of God. They've removed themselves by saying, God, I'm gonna do it my way instead of your way. People have actually asked me today, they go, do you think what's going on in our world today is going to result in the, the judgment of God? And people have asked me that all the time. Do you think because of this and because of this, do you think the judgment of God is coming? And my response is, I don't think that's going to um, bring the judgment of God. I think that is the judgment of God. Do you hear that? And, and by the way, I know this is intense, but remember I gave you sunglasses a few minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah, but we can't just pass over it and go, well, we don't want to know about that part of God's character because what I want to do is I want to be in right relationship with God so that I don't part. You're either going to be in, in, in the, in the love of God, or you're going to be in the wrath of God. You make a decision in your life. You're going to live in one of these two things. And God, it's not going to sit there and just be neutral about our sin. There's a result in it. And he tells us what the results are. He says, it's deceived hearts. So your, your heart starts being deceived. And that's why you start feeling things and doing things that just mess you up. It's depraved minds. That's what Paul says. He says, man, your, your mind is going to be depraved. He says there's unnatural desires. Yeah. And you see all those throughout Romans. You see them all throughout the scriptures. And, and welcome to the world we're in today. People are crazy in their desires. Why? What is that? It's the wrath of God. It's people saying, I'm going to do life outside of God's plan and outside of God's will. And then it's the last one, and here's the big deal. It's an acceptance of sin. It's just saying, you know what, we're just okay. Whatever, whatever you want to do, I, I, you're, you're going to do your own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. As they're walking into traffic, you're going, but who am I to judge them and, and to correct them? We, we are without excuse, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're sitting there and you're toting the line between what God, you know, am I going to follow God or not? Let me tell you, once again, we need to reinstill the fear of God in the people's lives. Like, like I, I, I love that our God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and, and abounding in love. I love that part of his nature, but we cannot throw out the fact that he's also a very jealous God. That when you release you, when you step out of his plan, he goes, all right, the result is the wrath of God. And you start walking into a life that is all destructive until the point that eventually you stand before him one day and he says, hey, listen, here's what you chose, which is an eternity away from me. That, that, that's, the, that's, that's what it is. Verse 32 says it this way. I, I got to hurry. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They do not continue to do the very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I want to take this very serious. I want us to live in such a way that when it comes to sin, when it comes to, when it comes to evil in our world, we're not neutral in this thing. We, we are very serious about this. And I want to say it with all love and with all care, if you're playing games with God and you're back and forth and, and you're going, I don't, I don't know I'm going to follow him. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Would you surrender your life to Christ? Because the path that you're taking is destructive, but God loves you. He has a plan for you. And I'm telling you, your life is better with him. Can I hear a better amen today, church? All right. It took a little longer than I wanted to, but we got to talk about it. Number two, I'm done with excuses also because the creation of God is significant. It's significant. Paul says, listen, not only is the wrath of God, 
It's being revealed. You can see it. You should be done with your excuses. But he also then goes into the creation of God. Look at verse 20 again. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his fingerprint, who he is, his character, it's all over. Look at that. It says in verse 20, uh, has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuses. It's all over. His eternal power, divine nature, it's all over wherever you see. So if you ever get to this place of going, is God real? Where is he at? Just look up. Just look up. I've been kind of geeking out over the last couple of months since the, the James Webb's, James Webb's uh, telescope photos have been released. I love it. I, I check them all out. Uh, I love this, this. This picture was the first one that was released from the deep space, billions and billions of light years away. And, and this represents thousands and thousands of different galaxies. Every one of those little lights are just other galaxies. And every one of those galaxies has somewhere between 100 to 500 billion stars inside. Just like our stars one, each one of those has one of those. And that, by the way, they say that picture right there, it, how you can understand where that picture is, if you took a grain of rice, held it up to the sky, or a grain of sand and held it up to the sky, that amount of the sky that you see in that grain of sand would represent what you see in that picture right there. That's, that's how unbelievably huge our universe is. It's overwhelming. And, and, and it goes so far, they have no clue what's actually out there. They used to believe that there was about 100 billion galaxies out there. Now they estimate it's around 2 trillion galaxies. One of those galaxies is called the Milky Way, which, by the way, is the one we live in. And the Milky Way is, is our galaxy. And, and this galaxy is so massive and so huge, you gotta, they estimate there's about 200 billion stars in this galaxy. And it's about 100,000 light years um, across how big this galaxy is. It's massive. It's huge. And our star's one of those. And then in that star, there's a bunch of planets, and one of them is this planet called earth this is us right here and earth is earth it's it's fascinating it's overwhelming i, I think it, it goes 25 it's twenty five thousand miles in circumference weighs 6.58 billion trillion tons it's a lot of weight and it hangs at the exact perfect distance between the sun um, from the sun to let life exist a little closer we would burn up a little further away we would freeze god placed it right in the spot that it needs to be in. And it spins at a thousand miles an hour and flies through space at a speed of a thousand miles a minute and it doesn't even mess your hair up. Wow. It's amazing. That's unbelievable. And that's just out there. If you go to the planet, and we, we're not going to have time to talk about how God intricately designed the plant life and, and the terrain and the animals, and then you, you're uniquely designed and put together in such a way where not only can we think, but we can love and we can care and we can act and you can listen to me right now. That's like a miracle and how God has designed all of us. We, we, I did this little math. I think it was fun. Current travel time. I just want you to see how big our, our, our universe is. It would take you four days at our current speed which is the fastest we can go in a, a manned spacecraft is 25,000 miles an hour. That's what it's going to, the, the Artemis one that's going to go to the moon, that's going to go, it takes four days, all right, four days to get there. It's seven months to get to Mars. It would take 9.5 years to get to Pluto, God rest his soul. We miss Pluto, don't we? To get to the nearest star from the sun would take 73,000 years. 
to get to, uh, to circle our galaxy, just our galaxy. One of, by the way, two trillion galaxies, just to circle ours, would take an estimated 200 million years. And to get to the nearest galaxy close to us, nearest galaxy close to us, out of 200, I mean, two trillion galaxies, the nearest one close to us would take 75 million years. Why do I show you that? Why is that even important? Because anybody that doubts the, the, the goodness and the, the, the awe of who God is, you are without excuse because of nature. You're without excuse. People go, well, I don't know. Do they really know? No, you just look up and realize God has put his fingerprint in all over creation, all over. That's why Psalm 19 can say, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard of them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth, their words into all of the world. I'm telling you, when you look up, you see that our God was involved in this whole thing. Write it down your notes this way. Here's the point, ready? The design declares there is a designer. When you look at your design, when you look at the design of our planet, when you look at the designer of our solar system, our galaxy, and our universe, God was involved in all of it. We are without excuse. So what do you do with this information? What do you do with it all? Well, let me tell you what you should not do with it because you could take this information and you could use it the wrong way. So let me show you what not to do with it. Check this out. You realize as I'm standing here, the earth is spinning on its axis a thousand miles an hour. Like if I was God spinning a basketball, thousand miles an hour. And at the same time it's doing that, the earth is going in orbit around the sun. And guess what rate of speed? 66,000 miles an hour. 66,000 miles an hour, thousand miles an hour. And on top of that, the whole solar system is going through the Milky Way galaxy. And guess what rate of speed? 400,000 miles an hour. 400,000 miles an hour, 66,000 miles an hour, and a thousand miles an hour. And to top it all off, as that's happening, the whole Milky Way galaxy is tearing through the universe. And guess what rate of speed? 2.2 million miles an hour. And that, officer, is why I failed to walk a straight line as you requested a few moments ago. Come on, that's funny right there. I don't care what you say. That's funny right there. <laughs> you take this information and don't use it to make bad excuses. Use this information to say, if our God is so big, then there's nothing in this world he cannot do. There's nothing in my life he cannot do. Can we give him some praise today, church? We're done with excuses because the wrath of God is serious. The creation of God is significant. Number three, it's because the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient. Amen. It is sufficient. Paul addresses this. He brings it back on us. We're in Romans now chapter two, verse one. He says, you therefore have no excuse. And he's talking about you. He, you have no excuse. Well, you don't know my sin. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. You have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at what point you pass judgment on another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. He's putting this on us. Look at, look at, the, look at the words he uses. Verse five, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, that's some of us right now. You, you, you're just stubborn. You're, you're not doing it God's way. You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. That is a lot of pressure on all of us. That's a lot of pressure saying you're storing up wrath on yourself. So Jordan, come up here, help me real quick because I think this is super important because I, I need you to understand this and how this looks as we close this thing out and our worship teams can come. 
because uh, we're all created, born on this planet, and we're all born with, with a sin problem. Our sin problem is there. So as Jordan has, has a little backpack on here, you're going to help me out. Um, sin is a, we say it's a, it's a weight that's put on us. It is the wrath of God being poured out on us. And so we're going to use some weights here, Jordan. Oh, man. All right, so it's been a while. All right, so let's just do this. All right, so that's the, it's a weight of sin, okay? And, and it weighs you down, and, it, and you know what it's like, because you know the burden of it, but your excuse is, man, you're like, there's no way I can do anything with it, there's no way I can handle it, it it's too heavy. And then, and then you've got, but the problem is, is you haven't done it just one time. The fact is, there's a lot of sin, isn't there? And then you come in a service like this, and you hear again, and you're just here, you, you have, you're with addicts, you're just burdened down by the weight of sin. You okay, bub? And the weight just continues. And, and the longer you live, the more, the Bible says, the wrath of God is being stored up. It's just, it's just more of a weight, more of a weight, more of a weight. You're like, this is intense. Well, that's why we're getting you serious with God. Because some of you are walking around and you're just, this is awesome. You just keep carrying this thing around and you think there's no hope for you. And we're not done yet. All right, Jordan, hello. I'm sorry, buddy, I'm sorry. And you've got this whole weight and you've got this burden. Sorry, buddy. Let me just say this, because some of you guys, this is what life is like. You're carrying around this burden of sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, all of this. And then you go into some like, you know, hey, come give your positive vibes experience. And you think, oh, this is going to help solve it. And let me tell you what, what those sessions do for you. Great, I'm free. Oh man, I had, I had a really good moment where I just felt good about myself. I helped somebody out. And you're not solving the problem of this. You're carrying around this weight and what, Paul tells us a solution. I'm so sorry, this is gonna take a minute. <laughs> Romans chapter three, he says, everybody's done this. All have sinned, all have, don't feel, by the way, you, you should never feel bad about it. Because actually you're the majority, because all of us have this problem. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then he says a solution. The solution is also the same for everybody. And all are justified freely by his grace. We'll talk about justification next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Justified freely through his grace, grace, through which the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So what did Christ Jesus do? Here's the answer. Ready? Christ, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, now uh, you have to break this down. The word atonement, here's what it means. It means payment for. Um, the ESV uses the word propitiation, which means in place of. So what happens is where you're carrying this weight, where religion offers temporary relief, the release Jesus said and said, I've got something better than religion for you. I've got an atonement that's going to happen. So God sent his son and Jesus says, all right, that, even though you, you, you got this, you work for this, I'm taking it myself. I'm taking this pain. I'm taking this weight. And eventually here's what God does. When you give your life to Christ, he takes the sins that you have stored up up, the wrath that you have brought upon yourself, all right, and he takes it on him, oh my gosh, he takes it on himself, and this is what Jesus carried to the cross, 
for your sins and for mine. I think we need to give him better praise today, church, for the fact that he is our God. He's taken away your weight and your shame. Ow. Ow. And by the way, here's the good news of the gospel. Ready? Oh, man. Jocelyn, are you here? Oh, help me out. Help me out because you're out. Here's the good news about the gospel. The good news about the gospel is when you give your life to Christ, he, he takes on that weight. He takes on that pressure. He takes on the wrath of God. And he brought it to the cross for you and for me. And when this world continues to try to put weight on you, you know the very one that took my original weight of sin is also the one that'll take my weight of stress. He's also the one that'll take my weight of insignificance. He's also the one that'll take my weight of insecurity. He's the one that'll take all of my weight. So here's this good news, are you ready? Here's, here's, here's the gospel in a nutshell, ready? Jesus took what I deserved so that I could get what he deserved. None of us deserved heaven. None of us deserved grace. None of us deserve um, a, a, a new life, but Jesus took it on so that we could get what he deserved. What, what's the theology behind it? The wrath of God has been poured out. Everybody's guilty. Everybody's done their own thing. But by faith, you put your trust in God and Jesus takes the wrath of God on himself and you walk now free and abundant in all that God has for your life. That is good news. We are without excuse. I'm gonna close it out with this and I want Jocelyn to sing it over us because I think it's an important moment. So how do I live without excuse? Three things. I'm gonna take the wrath of God very seriously. So I don't know what you're playing games with, what sin you're in and out of. You're gonna take the wrath of God very serious. God is serious about sin, serious about evil. He does not take a neutral position with that. Number two is that we're gonna stay in awe of God's creation. We're gonna walk around, when you go to that beach, you're gonna go, oh, look how good our God is. You go to those mountains, you go, how good our God is. You just look up and realize he's a good God. Or without excuse. And when you see how big everything is, you realize that's created by a big God that personally loves us. And number three, we'll close it out with this one. <laughs> how do we do it? We live in confidence of God's sacrifice. I'm not gonna walk around defeated. I'm not gonna walk around broken any longer because what Jesus paid on the cross was sufficient atonement for our sins. Why don't you do me a favor in all of our campuses? No moving around, but stand to your feet right now. And I don't know what weight you're carrying any longer, but I think this is a moment right now where you give it to Jesus. And we say, oh God, here we are in this moment, in this time, we give you our weight, our pain, our issues. We give it to you. Come on, Jocelyn, sing it out. Jesus, Jesus,
wrath of God is serious, the creation of God is significant. And the good news is that the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient for whatever you're going through today. Every eye closed, every head bowed, you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never started that. How do we start it? We start it in faith. We put our trust in Him. Can't do it on your own. You gotta put your life in His hands and say, Jesus, because of what you did on the cross, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna surrender my sin. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness and I'm gonna start a new life with Him. If that's you across all of our campuses on the count of three, throw that hand up and we're gonna pray for you right there in your seat. One, two, three. If that's you, come on, throw that hand up right now. Thank you, thank you. Come on, throw that hand, wave it at me. Thank you so much, thank you. Thank you at all of our campuses, St. Pete, Brandon, those in North Tampa, those in Clearwater, just wave it at me. This is your day of salvation. This is your day where the wrath of God is being exchanged, it's being taken on Jesus right now because of what he did on that cross. Awesome, best decision you'll ever make in your life right here. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Let's make it a declaration as a church. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. I make a decision to live for you. Forgive my past, my present, and my future. For the rest of my life, I'm gonna follow you. No more excuses. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, at all of our locations, can we celebrate lives changed for eternity? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.